0: And it's going to get really interesting in 2024 because in 2024, Derek Henry's a free agent, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, JK Dobbins, that entire class, Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, they're all free agents. Alvin Kamara, probably going to get cut from the saints. He's probably going to be a free agent. Joe Mixon going to be a free agent pretty much every running back that you can think of that isn't obviously a rookie in their second or third year of their contracts They're pretty much all free agents. It's just Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones who are solidified with a contract that can't be cut. The rest are either going to be cut or entering free agency. So that's when things are really going to heat up because the running backs could come together and say, hey, we as a unit are not going to accept a deal worth this much.
1: Welcome back to Knowledge Brews Supreme, the show that percolates your creativity. And it is I, your host, Dr. John Chansey, and I am back and better than ever. Before we begin today's episode, here's a quick ad from show sponsor Sleeve Sold Separately Greetings. This is Dr. John Chansey, host of Knowledge Brew Supreme, and I'm here to tell you about one of my favorite products in the fitness game, our new show sponsor, Sleeves Sold Separately. Sleeves Sold Separately is a brand of athleisure clothing for men who train hard and also want to look good while doing so. The clothes that these wonderful folks make are an absolute game changer. Their products are designed and manufactured in the United States out in Los Angeles, and they are shipped directly to your home. Sleeve Sold Separately offers a wide variety of athleisure clothing, such as the wife-lover tank top, their classic sleeveless hoodie, their Man shorts that come in both four and six-inch seams, and so much more. My personal favorite from Sleeves Sold Separately is their take on the classic jogger bottoms, except theirs is called the Sprinter. Sprinters come in several colors. And even before they were a show sponsor of Knowledge Brew Supreme, I bought multiple pairs in black. I've got a gray pair, a teal pair of the Sprinters, and I wear these daily. Uh, So please check them out. Visit their website at sleevesoldseparately.com. My listeners of Knowledge Brew Supreme can get 15% off your order from Sleeves Sold Separately using the promo code KNOWLEDGE15. That's all one word, KNOWLEDGE15. So please check out Sleeves Sold Separately, use the promo code, and thank me later. Take care. Bye. My guest for today's episode is the one and only Cactus Jack Cavanaugh. I hope you like that nickname by the way i just gave you that if you don't like it you can you can return it but no i i will be holding on to it i love that absolutely love that all right cool Uh, jack is making his fifth appearance that's five times on knowledge brew supreme he is now the second official member of the Five Timers Club, along with Mike Raymer. I, eventually, one of these days, I'm going to find something, like some kind of trinket or token or something to get you guys to honor your your this this momentous occasion. I just I can't pass that up. Um, so for those who don't remember, it's been a while, but uh, Jack is just an absolute machine when it comes to creating content around football. He's got a show for Player Profiler going on a few times a week he's also on the believe lions network with glover quinn uh you can find him there uh he's also famous when he gets on when he blesses us with the content he's famous for his mustaches his pit vipers and also his resemblance uh to tom Selleck. so love just absolutely having jack on the on the podcast so welcome back how are things my friend Well, things are great. I love coming on this show because I get so many compliments
0: beforehand. And not only do I get the compliments, I get a cool new nickname out of it. So I am thrilled to be here and just so excited for the NFL season. I can't believe we're, as of recording, we are two days away from NFL kickoff. By the time you hear this, it'll probably be one day till NFL kickoff. And won't that just be
1: beautiful? Oh, yes. It's I mean, it's the the puzzle is complete. Last weekend, we had college football back. I got to wake up and watch college game day. I don't know if that's something you do in Canada or not. That's kind of my like check mark. All right, season's ready to go. Then we have another week to the NFL. And that's what we're here for. We're here to talk all things. Uh, NFL football. I got to bring in the big guns to talk about my absolute favorite sport. Um, you know, it's 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 that time of the year. I think um, the last weekend was the last weekend without NFL football until like February or something. So it's just about to hit. Uh, it's got to come out fast. And uh, let's just get the ball rolling by talking about all things NFL today. So before we talk about 2023 however, I think it would be good to at least kind of go back in time just a little bit and talk about the 2022 season at least briefly. Um you you're in you're in the prediction game. You're in the prognostication business in terms of sports. You're 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 throwing out hot takes left and right on your various platforms. So I'm just curious as far as takes prediction goes, what was your biggest win do you think from the 2022 season? And kind of conversely, maybe what was the whiff? What's maybe the take you wish you could have gotten back?
0: For win, it has to be the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. I had that from the jump. I predicted yes, it sir. on this show. I repeated it on this show during the season. So we were... All in on that. That was beautiful to see. I flip-flopped on the AFC a couple times when Jamar Chase went down. I kind of hedged and said, well, it used to be the Bengals. Now I'm opening the door for the Dolphins. I was wrong either way. Chiefs go back to the Super Bowl. Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Well done. But the Eagles making the Super Bowl and obviously profiting off of that in fantasy football because I was big in and Jalen Hurts, big in on A.J. Brown. So Very happy with the Philadelphia Eagles. In terms of the misses, though, I'll give you two. Number one was I thought Derrick Henry was done. I thought he was going to fall off a cliff in fantasy football. He was coming off of a foot injury. He missed a bunch of time. He's past the age apex. And when he did return from the foot injury in his first game back, he wasn't particularly effective. And then Derrick Henry just proves that he is a unicorn. So that is one player that I was bearish on when i should have been bullish and one player i was bullish on that didn't hit was antonio gibson but this is the year for antonio gibson this year with new offensive coordinator not gonna be forced off the field for brian robinson who is an ineffective grinder back antonio gibson this
1: is the year he is going to hit Ooh, i love it i love it you're you this is the redemption year for the gibson stock so i love yes. it um... I-,
0: I learned from that take or I didn't learn from that take. I'm, I'm going back to the law of that. I did learn from Derrick Henry though. I am never going to doubt Derrick Henry ever again. Just ride him till the wheels fall off.
1: His yards per carry went up. Like that's insane with the same amount of touches. Like oh my goodness. He yeah. Like if the aliens come down and they say pick one person from the planet to do battle with to for the save our planet. It's not Michael Jordan, folks. It's Derrick Henry. That guy is alien. That guy. I don't know what what's going on or what they're feeding him in Alabama or what, but. Yeah, it's insane. Just keep riding that. It's probably maybe the safest fantasy bet you could probably have um, at this point, just kind of like ceiling floor kind of argument there. So uh, interesting. So I want to now move into 2023. Let's put 22 behind us. Um, the biggest season or the biggest story, it seems like the off season in terms of coverage has been the value or lack thereof for the running backs in the NFL. You know, at one point we had a zoom meeting with all of these free agent and holdout running backs who were attempting to, I guess, maybe, maybe, um, you know, kind of form their own sort of mini collective bargaining. I don't know what the purpose was. We see holdouts from Jonathan Taylor. We almost had holdouts from, from Josh Jacobs. And I want to say Saquon Barkley, they signed of course. Um, But I'm just curious, like, where do you fall on this particular topic? Is there, is there anything that the NFL can do, do you think, to, to assist this problem? Or is this just simply, like, economic supply and demand? There's only so much money to go around. Running backs aren't as valued. Like, is it that simple? Or is there more of a nuance to it than than that?
0: It's pretty much that simple. And there are things that the NFL could do to make life better for running backs. But they're not going to. Because the NFL is the champion of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it oh, wait, it's broken for you? Ah, well, it's not broken for us, so let's not fix it because it doesn't matter. We're not going to fix it. So there are ways that the NFL could help out these running backs, including incentives, not tied to the salary cap, just, hey, if you hit these thresholds, then you're going to make this amount of money. If you don't hit these thresholds, then you're going to make this amount of money. But it's not going to happen. This collective bargaining agreement, the players signed the new CBA way too early. They still had a full year before they even really had to grind down at the negotiations. They accepted the first offer and they got screwed. And this was always the inevitable outcome of that new collective bargaining bargaining agreement that they signed was running backs who are getting devalued in NFL offenses. They are not, we don't have the workhorses that we used to. It is rare. It is further and far, further between those types of guys. And then it just doesn't contribute to wins. That's the other thing our uh, arm of this is you get a guy like Isaiah Pacheco seventh round pick and he leads the Chiefs to the Super Bowl you get Jarek McKinnon who was a bargain free agent signing also leads the Chiefs to the Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles Miles Sanders second round pick sure that's fine but Kenneth Gainwell fourth round pick and Boston Scott that was the other running back on the roster who I think was undrafted yep. if not he was a All very right. late round pick but teams are seeing hey there hasn't been a Super Bowl champion as of late that has a dominant running back. The closest thing was the Bucks with Leonard Fournette, and he wasn't making that crazy amount of money either. Yeah. So it just it doesn't make sense for teams to say, hey, we're going to change how this is done because you want to, and it would be better for you because you're getting screwed. That's not how the NFL works. While I think it should work that way, while I think that running backs who are taking on all of this damage, all of these hits doing arguably the hardest job in the NFL and making the least for it. I'm on their side. It's just not going to happen with the way the NFL currently is. And it's going to get really interesting in 2024 because in 2024, Derek Henry's a free agent, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, JK Dobbins, that entire class cam Akers. Antonio Gibson, they're all free agents. Alvin Kamara, probably going to get cut from the saints. He's probably going to be a free agent. Joe Mixon going to be a free agent. Pretty much every running back that you can think of that isn't obviously a rookie in their second or third year of their contracts. They're pretty much all free agents. It's just Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones who are solidified with a contract that can't be cut. The rest are either going to be cut or entering free agency. So that's when things are really going to heat up because the running backs could come together and say, hey, we as a unit are not going to accept a deal worth this much. And that is when collective action can make a difference. When they're all free agents, they all have to be signed and teams are offering them bargained in prices. They can work together in that sense in free agency. But until then, nothing is going to change. And even that might not be enough.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting point. You bring up the the collective bargaining agreement that they signed prematurely. That's really fascinating. And then 2024, you know, if you want to talk about a case study to really kind of determine running back value, they can't franchise. those. those, Not every one of those players will get franchised. I'm sure a few of them will.
0: And even the guys that are franchised now, Saquon, Josh Jacobs, they're also free agents. I forgot to mention them, but they'll be free agents. And to franchise tag them again, it's going to be more expensive because it's the second tag.
1: Yes, yeah. So next year may be the real kind of let's see how this maybe the maybe the zoom call was a little premature this year, but next year could be could be something. And I'm I, I like you, I, I am all for people getting paid. I'm all for especially a position like running back where they are taking a lot of damage to play that position. Um so I'm all for people getting paid, but I I, I do think a lot of it has to do with just simple supply and economic, you know, supply and demand. Um, Hopefully the NFL will do something if, if, if the market can't, but um, yeah, I'm very interested now to see how it unfolds next year. And that doesn't even include potential crop of rookies coming in too. I mean, you could just have total turmoil at the running back position and maybe the most interesting possible way. So that's just going to be wildly fascinating. Um, I want to switch gears and I want to talk about um, college football. I know that's not necessarily your expertise in terms of like what you podcast and create content about, but the, the changes in college football, specifically conference realignment, all of the shuffling, my Sooners are going to be in the SEC next year. Everything is a mess. Do you think that that kind of realignment, that kind of upheaval, will that have any impact on the NFL? Do you think? And I don't really know what way it could, maybe scouting, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a way that could potentially have some kind of impact on on the professional side of things. Oh, Jack, you're muted. It's cool. I can edit it out. Sorry about that.
0: (laughs) I actually... I actually do think that is where we're going to see the difference is in the scouting because they're going to be more high profile games. There's going to be bigger games. There's going to be more competition and more games that you can say, hey, this guy is against NFL talent right now. Let's see how they respond. So that's going to be the big difference. It's not going to be a huge difference. But instead of having for some teams two to three games where they're facing NFL talent and then the rest are kind of they're facing future bartenders. Now they'll have five, six, seven potentially games where it's, hey, this is an NFL player that they are up against that wide receiver at corner, whoever they are directly opposed against. So that's where the difference is going to be made. As for the players, it's just going to suck for the players. They're they're no longer student athletes. They're just athletes with the amount of travel that they're going to have to do from USC all the way to Michigan Ann Arbor.
1: It's (laughs) unbelievable. Yeah, there's going to be... There will be games at one point. You'll have maybe Oregon traveling all the way as far east as Rutgers, like Newark. And, you know, geographically, that to me is just insane. Uh, USC, like you said, traveling to Michigan. You know, what if they're doing that in November or December when it's just bitterly, you know, cold? And oh my goodness, it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I think you're right about the scouting. I mean, the fact that we're going to have. A lot of premier matches, maybe than we we didn't get before, will be very interesting. <clears throat> and I think that's the goal. I think ultimately that is the goal of our of these changes is we want these big matchups more frequently, not just every five years. Maybe get in Ohio State and USC. We want that like every year if we can get a hold of it. Alabama, OU, you know, games like that. <clears throat> Absolutely. <clears throat> Staying in the college game, it seems like right now we've got two really high profile quarterbacks we've got Caleb Williams and Drake May but obviously like even after this last or this first weekend of college there are already some other names we might even throw into that mix like Michael Penix Jr. Shador Sanders I don't think he's eligible quite yet but probably will be next year um so I'm kind of thinking Williams and Drake May right now are kind of the top of the heap as far as quarterbacks you're going to want to get it looks like the teams that could be in contention Houston even though I know they just took Stroud like if they if they win one or two games and CJ Stroud's a quarterback I mean I could easily see them pulling the trigger on Caleb Williams you've got Vegas you got Chicago who had a chance to take another quarterback last year you got Tampa and you got Arizona um is anyone else I'm missing in the Drake May Caleb Williams sweepstakes is that is that the kind of the list or do you think there are any surprise teams we might see in that kind of tank tanking sweepstakes as the year goes on
0: well, so first and foremost, I want to eliminate the Houston Texans from the sweepstakes
1: because they don't have their
0: first pick. They traded oh, their first right. pick to You're the Cardinals. Right. They oh, have goodness. a first rounder, but it's the Browns, and the Browns aren't going to be bad enough to take yes. Caleb Williams, tank for Drake May. So the Texans, they are out of it. But that does mean the Cardinals have two chances at landing one of those quarterbacks. Kyler Murray probably not going to play there next year, but there's a whole big debate. Oh, Kyler Murray's going to miss the entire season. I don't think so. I look at history. We see Joe Burrow. He tears his ACL a week and a half before uh, Kyler Murray does. And he plays week one. Carson Wentz tears his ACL two days before Kyler Murray. And he misses one game. So Kyler Murray is going to miss four games for sure. After that, though, they're going to have to activate him from the PUP because he's going to be healthy. And I just don't see Kyler sitting on the bench all year just collecting a check knowing that it's going to lead to his departure from the Arizona Cardinals and he's going to be replaced. So I think the Cardinals are going to be better than people think, but they still are going to be down in that conversation. I think the Bucks, the Bucs are the number one team oh, in this conversation. Wow. the Offensive line has gotten worse. They lost their starting center. Ryan Jensen, his career is likely over. They've taken damage in the secondary. The defensive line is not as deep as it once was. And they've got Baker Mayfield at quarterback. And I'm sorry, but I know you love him from your time, Uh, your Oklahoma relationship,
1: but I'm sorry, but Baker's not that guy. Man, I was just about to kind of make the sneaky case or the case that Tampa could be sneaky good. Like, I don't think they're a playoff team but they have so many like decent pieces that around Baker Mayfield that maybe something could work out. I am not hopeful at all. I don't think he's the long-term quarterback. I don't, I I don't at all. I I tend to agree. They will, they will most likely be in that probably that top two or three pick by the end of the season. But I don't know. uh, The teams on my list, that's the one, I guess maybe besides Houston, as you mentioned, I think could be a little better than we're, we're thinking. I don't know um arizona just seems like a lock um even if kyler comes back they're just so bereft yeah. of talent. like it might be kyler murray and and who else who knows um and the two picks even if they don't get the first pick you know, they may have two top five picks that could go up and draft trade for the first who knows i mean they'll have the ammo to go do something so
0: or they could end up settling for whoever doesn't get picked because caleb i can't see many teams trading back from one and passing on caleb but the Cardinals very well could be happy to take drake may and maybe they pair him with a marvin harrison jr with a third overall pick something like that but cardinals bucks those are the two favorites and then there's teams that are could be bad could be okay like the rams Probably gonna be bad, but are they gonna be that bad? I don't know. Commanders, I think commanders are gonna be fine enough, but there's a world where they bottom out like that. World where the Tennessee Titans completely bottom out, the Atlanta Falcons, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Green Bay Packers. There's worlds where that happens. I just I don't see it as likely.
1: Sure, sure. Which is a nice segue because I really wanted to talk about teams that I think could be flying under the radar, but actually have good seasons. And I know your Detroit Lions in terms of you work for Believe, you know, the podcasting the Lions and all that, they are certainly not flying under the radar anymore. Like they're getting a lot of preseason hype. So we can't talk about them, but Pittsburgh finished the season just as hot as Detroit did last year. And it seems like nobody is talking about Pittsburgh or not as many people. And I don't think people are talking as much about Atlanta either. I know you said there's a ro- world where they could be in that first pick. And I agree. Like Ritter if he's terrible like they could easily be in the conversation and if they had to go to Heineke like I just think there's enough pieces on offense and they reloaded on defense through free agency enough and last year they were in a lot of close games that they lost I could maybe see some of those swinging their way like enough to maybe even win the division this year so like Maybe Atlanta and Pittsburgh are in that conversation. Is there any other teams you think that are like kind of flying under the radar right now that you could see maybe uh, being better, maybe than we think right now? So
0: I definitely agree with both of those teams. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they had four offensive drives in the preseason. I get it, it's preseason. It doesn't matter that much, but it does matter that they scored four touchdowns and four drives. Kenny Pickett looked sharp. And I've yeah. been a champion of Kenny Pickett for a while now that he is an NFL quarterback. No matter how you slice it, he is a starting NFL quarterback. That's just what he is. That's what his skill set is. That's who he's going to be. And so if he is an above-average quarterback, then we're starting to talk with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have one of the slowest offenses in the NFL. The fastest guy, George Pickens, only runs a 4-4 only runs a 4-4, but (laughs) Allen Robinson ran a 4-5 plus, and it's probably closer to 4-8 now. Deontay Johnson's a 4-5, 4-6 guy. Pat Fryermuth is a 4-7 guy. So they're going to be slow, but they're going to matriculate the ball down the field enough with Kenny Pickett's accuracy, put up some points. Falcons, I agree also. There's a world where they pick first overall. I don't think we end up living in this world because even if Desmond Ritter is horrible, even if he's terrible, he gets benched, For Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke is wild. He's an up and down quarterback, but he's not a quarterback who's going to get you the first overall pick. He's going to win enough of those close games like you talked about that they are going to make some noise. And I'm also going to throw the Cleveland Browns into the ring there. The Cleveland Browns have been looking good. They made some good acquisitions this offseason trading for Elijah Moore. Say what you will about Deshaun Watson. I am not a fan in the slightest, but he's probably still got something left in the tank. More than likely, he had some rust to knock off. Now he gets an offense with Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples-Jones, probably the best three wide receiver sets that he's ever had in his career. And Nick Chubb is still just a stud back there. Dominant offensive line. They've loaded up on the defense as well. So Browns are there. And then... I don't know if they're teams that are under the radar because they both made the playoffs last year, but the Miami Dolphins aren't talked about as a true contender like they should be. Everyone wants to talk about the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals, obviously, and now they've thrown the Jets in there because of Aaron Rodgers, but the Dolphins belong in that conversation as well. Tua Tagovailoa's health is obviously a big factor in that, but this is one of, if not the most explosive offense in the NFL. It's probably the fastest offense in the NFL with Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Devon A. Chain, or Raheem Mostert as the starting running back. Just speed for days. And then they've invested heavily in the defense as well. Jalen Ramsey is going to be coming back right at playoff time, and it's going to be a lockdown cornerback duo with him and Zayvon Howard. And the final team that I'm going to mention is one that's going to get you excited, and that's the Seattle Seahawks.
1: Ooh, yes. Love to hear that. Yes. Yes. Well, tell me about my Seahawks. Why should I be? Why should I be hyped about that? I'm already hyped, but why should I be more hyped? I knew you were. And I, that's why I was so happy that you ordered these questions in
0: this way, because <laughs> I think the Seahawks are just a good team. Geno Smith isn't going to turn back into a pumpkin. He has arrived and they've invested in him. They've invested in the offensive line. They have invested in opening up the passing game by drafting Jackson Smith and Jigba. We're going to see more three wide receiver sets. We're going to see less Will Disley on the field. And this is also one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. Because you have Tyler Lockett, who is still an elite deep threat, even at his advanced age. You have DK Metcalf, who is an elite deep threat at his young age. You have Jackson Smith and Jigba, one of the best wide receivers entering the NFL we've seen in the past couple of years. And Noah Fant at tight end, he's pretty damn athletic as well. Rashad, not Rashad Penny, my apologies. Kenneth Walker is a dominant running back. So I think that the offense is going to be great. And then the defense, they've just continued to add to it. They draft uh, another cornerback, Devon Witherspoon. And their cornerback room is so good already that they're saying, hey, you, you can't play outside. I know you've never played in the slot, Devon Witherspoon, but... You're not good enough to start on the outside this year. It's going to be Mike Jackson who came out of nowhere to be a dominant cornerback. We're sending, uh, Kobe Bryant, their former slot cornerback, we're sending him to the bench and he is another really talented guy. So just the investments that the Seahawks have made. And of course they're able to do this because Geno Smith isn't on a back breaking contract, like some of these other quarterbacks, but I just think it's all going to work out. And the Seahawks are going to make a push in the playoffs.
1: I love this. I love this so much. I'm so happy you brought up my Seahawks. I I am in agreement. Last year they were playing with house money. They had the fifth pick, got Witherspoon. The defense they just they they went strength on strength. We're good in the secondary. We're good at wide receiver. Let's get great at both of those positions. I love it. Love the contract for Geno Smith, um, and I I think they have a real chance. I think to make another run in the playoffs. Um, and this is kind of a good segue because right now the 49ers are favored to win that division, same division as the Seahawks. 49ers, I think, are like third or fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl, depending on who and where you see uh, your odds at. But am I crazy to think that that's like they're overrated? I, I don't know what it is. I understand they are loaded. I, I get it. They are They have a good coaching staff, a great coaching staff, and they're loaded everywhere. I'm just not a hundred percent sold like on a quarterback who had to get Tommy John surgery, not that long ago. And I don't know. I just, who only has six starts. I, they, they, they screwed up the whole Trey Lance thing. I mean, they brought in Sam Darnold. There's even rumblings that Sam Darnold could even take the job eventually. So I'm like, how could a team that has so much uncertainty at the most important position be this favored? I don't know. Am I taking crazy pills? No, I don't think you
0: are, especially because they're loaded at so many positions, but one place they're not loaded is the offensive line. They have Trent Williams, the left tackle, but at right tackle, they lost Mike McGlinchey. They replaced him in house. They believe that one of their guys, Colton McKivitz, maybe can step in and do an adequate job, but they already didn't have a dominant center because last year their center retired Alex Mack and they replaced him with an undrafted free agent who did well. Don't get me wrong, but. It's not the dominant offensive line that the 49ers have had for years. It's pretty much just Trent Williams and a bunch of guys protecting Brock Purdy, who I think is pretty solid. I think the 49ers are going to make the playoffs, but I don't know if they're going to win the division. I actually have the Seahawks taking the division in a preview that I did. Bold predictions for every team in the NFL. And I gave the Seahawks the NFC West. And the biggest thing for me – is it is very clearly a hierarchy in the NFC. The Philadelphia Eagles are up here. The Dallas Cowboys are up here. I don't think the 49ers are on this level like Vegas wants to tell us. I think they're in that next tier with the Seahawks, with the Detroit Lions, potentially the Minnesota Vikings, though I think the Vikings are a tier below that. I just think that the 49ers are a step below, closer to the Seahawks and the Lions than people want to admit.
1: Ooh, I love it. All right, good. Anything we can do to knock uh, knock the 49ers down a peg, bump the Seahawks up, I'm I'm all for that and I'm in, I'm in total agreement. Um, so last year, I would probably make the argument, you know, the Giants pull off the upset in the playoffs and beat Minnesota who went 13 and 4. That was, you know, record-wise, that's an upset. Um the Jags, I would argue probably had the most surprise run of the playoffs if you just kind of look at their season as a whole, how bad they started off. They had to win their very last game just over the Titans to to get to nine and eight to get to the playoffs. So who do you think is this year's Jags like a team that maybe through the season is kind of flying under the radar, but then they make a sneaky playoff run or, you know, I mean, it it could be a team that made the playoffs last year. Even I, I don't know. I'm just kind of wondering who might be this year's Jags. Well, it could be the Jags once again, though. Yeah. I think they, I think they're going to be a little bit
0: better than that. Cause they, they finished the year as the team that no one wanted to face. It was the Detroit lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they both qualify though. I just think they're going to be a little bit too good to be the 2022 Jaguars. Instead. I'm going to go with either the Steelers or the Browns. I don't think it'll be both, but I think whoever gets third in that AFC North, cause it's obviously the Bengals and the Ravens at the top and the rest of the division is not that bad though. Yes. And so I think the Steelers or the Browns, one of them is going to make the playoffs and whoever does has the potential to make a run there.
1: Yeah, I, that division is just loaded. The NFC North, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's going to be- It won't NFL. happen,
0: but there could be four teams in terms of just talent. It won't happen because yeah. they cannibalize each other facing each other, but talent-wise, it yes. could
1: be. 100%. Um, So- I think it's also important. I think almost every time I bring you on, we inevitably talk about quarterbacks changing, quarterbacks on the move, because that's just how the National Football League works. Um, I'm going to give you a list of guys I think are on the hot seat for this year in terms of things they need to prove. Got Deshaun Watson. He's coming off of, obviously, statistically a really bad year, one of his worst seasons. I know he only played like seven games, but he looked terrible, but was given an amazing contract despite, you know, I mean, before that. So not a whole lot the Browns can do about that. You've got Mac Jones coming off a pretty awful year. You got Baker in Tampa. Who's on his what? Fourth team and their third team and four. Maybe it's four teams. Jeez. I'm losing track. Four. We got the Browns. We got the Panthers. We got the Rams <laughs>
0: and we got the bucks. Cause he did play for the Panthers for a little bit.
1: Yeah. He had a cup of coffee in Carolina for sure. Uh, you got Russell Wilson and, and Denver. Who's coming off of one of his, his probably his worst year ever. You got Matt Stafford who's coming off an injury and apparently does not understand his, uh, his millennial teammates, Um, who do you think of the group I just mentioned, who do you think has the best year and who do you think is more, is most likely to end up on another team next year? I mean, you probably already alluded to this, probably Baker. If you think Tampa is going to win or, or get the first pick, maybe you're not, maybe you're next in line after that then.
0: Yeah. So I think for best year, it's either going to be Watson or Russell Wilson. Both teams have made investments in their future success we want to chalk it up to rust for deshaun watson we want to chalk it up to nathaniel hackett and some personal life things that were going on for russell wilson write those off and the way they've acted the teams around them i think they're going to be the ones that take the step forward bill belichick i think is actually a little bit hotter seat than mac jones there are rumors that robert Kraft is running out of patience for bill belichick that they haven't made the playoffs in four years it's been even longer since they've or no the They made the playoffs with Mac Jones, but they haven't won in the playoffs in over four years. And it sounds as though Bill Belichick just might be wearing out his welcome with the New England Patriots. And so I think his seat is hotter than Mac Jones. I think Mac gets at least one more year after they see what he can do with Bill O'Brien. And I think they're going to have some success there. The hottest seats, though, I think are Baker Mayfield and Desmond Ritter.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you for including Ritter. Yeah,
0: Yeah, you could include Sam Howell in there, but I think Sam Howell is going to prove it. I, I I think Sam Howell is going to have a good year. I think he's going to be the starting quarterback in 2024. But Desmond Ritter, he hasn't been accurate in the preseason. All of these preseason camp highlight videos we see, it's just the ball placement just isn't there. And you don't want to read too much into stuff that's not taking place in actual games. And you don't want to read too much into preseason games. But Desmond Ritter has never been an extremely accurate quarterback in terms of his placement of the football. And so why should we believe that it's suddenly going to improve when all evidence indicates that it isn't. And this is a solid offense, but Kyle Pitts is now being rumored to be fourth in line for targets behind Mac Hollins, who is, he's Mac Hollins. He's just whatever. Drake London has a lot of potential, but is he capable of elevating Desmond Ritter is B. John Robinson running the ball? Is that going to elevate Desmond Ritter? I don't think so. So even if the Falcons do have some success this year, I won't be surprised if they end up moving on from Desmond Ritter. I just don't think he's that guy. And the same goes for Baker Mayfield. He's had multiple stops. He's had multiple chances to prove it. I think we've probably gone too far on hating Baker Mayfield because it's fun, because it's a meme, but... At the same time, he's not in the long-term plans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They know that with Tom Brady gone, this is a new team. Mike Evans could get traded during the season. If not, he's probably walking away from the team in 2024 because he's a free agent. It's just going to be a new era, and I really can't see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers saying, Baker Mayfield, you are the face of the new era.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, that's a, that's sad. To, that's sad to hear about Baker. But honestly, you're, you're I'm not surprised to hear it either. Um, maybe he's someone who, you know, maybe maybe the XFL or USFL would be a good rehab spot for him. But I don't think Tampa is the long I don't think it's a long term place for either side. So um, <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's sad to hear, but it is what it is. So this would be actually, I think, a good place to take a quick break for another for our excuse me, to take an ad break uh, and come back with some more questions for Jack Cavanaugh. Uh, so hang out or hang around uh, and we'll be back in just a moment. All right. So my wonderful sponsors at Barnana Chips were so kind Uh, to send me a care package with some wonderful snacks and wonderful chips of various kinds, different snacks to try. And I've been saving one for a while that I've been been dying to try. And it's the Organic Plantain Chips Spicy Mango Salsa. They're kettle cook style chips. So I'm going to do a live uh, first try, a live taste. uh, And you can get my instant reactions to these chips. I've been dying to try these chips. Here we go. Open up the bag give a smell test. Ooh, ooh, I can smell the the sweetness, the, the, the spiciness. Okay, here we go. First chip. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that a lot. There's the flavor is a little subtle. The spice is kind of subtle, but you can taste the sweetness of the mango right away. But that spicy mango kind of the salsa, um kind of creeping up in the back i can feel the spice in the back of my the back of my mouth right now it's really good um it's not overpowering the mango the sweetness but the salsa taste together not overpowering but a nice kick you know um be good to have a glass of water with these but i'm not feeling like oh my god i absolutely have to rush out and drink a glass of water right now i like that that subtle spice uh and combined with the sweetness so let me give another chip good stuff good stuff so check these out they're barnana spicy mango salsa their kettle style chip it's fantastic i would give it like an 11 out of 10 i don't know is that fair but check it out thanks barnana All right, welcome back to Knowledge Brew Supreme. We are talking all things NFL football with the one and only Jack Cavanaugh, aka Mr. Five Timer himself. Uh, so we are we are getting back into uh, some topics I want to touch on before the season starts, and one of the trends that usually happens in the NFL is there's sort of like a Super Bowl hangover. Sometimes you know where teams go to the Super Bowl. It's very difficult to return. It's very difficult to win the Super Bowl again. In fact, nobody's done it since the Patriots in the early 2000s as repeated as Super Bowl champs. Um, We have the Chiefs and the Eagles made it to the game last year in one of the all-time Super Bowls. I mean, maybe that's recency bias, but I mean, it was a fantastic game that I've rewatched, I think a couple times now already. Um, Who do you think is more likely to make the Super Bowl again? Is it the Eagles or the Chiefs? And if you had to pick one who might miss, who's more likely to miss the playoffs, which way would you go?
0: I think you have to say that the Chiefs are more likely to make the Super Bowl because they've got Patrick Mahomes. That just puts them in contention every year. The betting odds will reflect it every year. There's a 0% chance that either of these teams miss the playoffs. But if there was one to miss the playoffs, I also think I'd have to go with the Kansas City Chiefs, though I think they are more likely to make make the Super Bowl than miss the playoffs. I think they're more likely to miss the playoffs than the Philadelphia Eagles because the Philadelphia Eagles, strong offensive line, strong pass catchers, elite quarterback, good run game, dominant defense. They have it all across the board. Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey's hurt right now. Yep. It sounds as though he is only going to miss a week, maybe two, but he's hurt right now. And without Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, we've never really seen that offense for Patrick Mahomes. Even last year when they lost Tyree Kill, he just spread the love across all of these wide receivers. And Travis Kelsey obviously soaked up a bunch of targets. Now, it's going to be more spreading of the love. And if there's anyone who can do it, it's obviously Patrick Mahomes. That's why I want to make sure I'm clear. It's more likely he makes the Super Bowl than misses the playoffs. They just are more likely to miss the playoffs than the Eagles because they have... Question marks on the offensive line. Left tackle is a potential hole, replacing Donovan Smith from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, who Tom Brady was starting to have nightmares from towards the end of the season, though he was hurt. And there's a chance that he does protect Patrick Mahomes. It's just, what if? What if it doesn't work out? What if Chris Jones not showing up week one until week eight impacts the team? What if the defense takes a step back? Whereas the Philadelphia Eagles... Even if bad things happen, even if A.J. Brown misses time, then Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard step up. If Dallas Goddard misses time, same thing. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith step up. On the offensive line, they're deep enough that they can replace people. So that's why I'm not as worried about the Philadelphia Eagles. That being said, I am not worried at all about the Kansas City Chiefs. Even if Travis Kelsey misses a month of football, they're still probably going to go, what, two and two at worst? Chiefs are going to be fine. Chiefs are winning double digits every year.
1: Yeah, with Mahomes, with Mahomes out there and Andy Reid, you can pretty much lock them in for double-digit wins. Um, the the case I would make against the Chiefs making the playoffs would just simply be the AFC. It's loaded. Yeah, if, if you're talking about a loaded AFC, if you lose out on Chris Jones, let's say for a month or two, and Travis Kelsey for a month, let's just say worst-case scenario. Okay, that could maybe th- make things more difficult, but kind of like you said, I think both teams are essentially locks for the playoffs i mean uh but if Unless you want
0: patrick mahomes somehow went down that would be yes. the one thing that could change it going from mahomes to blaine gabbard
1: yes that that'll do it um but otherwise yeah i think we've got two two locks for the playoffs um you you may have addressed this a little bit earlier but let's let let me take your get your opinion on this who is most likely to be benched or traded this year russell wilson or kyler murray See, I think both are
0: going to end up playing out this whole year for Kyler. He's not going to start the year. He's starting the year on the physically unable to perform list. But as I mentioned, at some point, he's going to be healthy. Joe Burrow played week one and he tore his ACL a week and a half before Kyler. Carson Wentz tore his ACL two days before Kyler and only missed one game. So Kyler's going to miss those four games. But after that. They're going to have to activate him from the PUP list because Kyler is going to say, I'm healthy. I'm not sitting on the bench. The Cardinals could choose to keep him on the bench, but then that brings in the whole what we saw from the Raiders last year, all of that turmoil. You think Jonathan Gannon is the guy to weather that storm? He would be putting his job on the line with a locker room mutiny if he just purposely holds Kyler Murray out even when he's healthy. So I think Kyler's going to play he could be moved on from next year with a new quarterback. Even if he does play, they might not be good enough and they still might get that high pick, but I think he's going to play. And for Russ, I think they've just invested enough around Russell Wilson. They've invested in the offensive line. They've added pass catchers, even though Jerry Judy is going to miss time. Marvin Mims is going to have a Brandon cooks type rookie season. Love Marvin Mims. He is so talented. And the defense is also pretty good for the Denver Broncos. So I think, The Broncos as a team will be better. I think Sean Payton giving some structure to Russell Wilson is going to help him out. I just don't see him getting benched during the season for Jarrett Stidham. Ooh, Wouldn't that be something though, if Derek Carr gets benched for Jarrett Stidham and then Russ does too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's no, no, uh, any, any team that signs Jarrett Stidham that the starting quarterback's got to start looking over their shoulder a little bit if he shows up. So Yeah, I don't, I don't root for anybody to to lose their job, but oh my gosh, the Schadenfreude of of Russell Wilson getting benched as a Seahawk fan would just be chef's kiss. I just oh, be too much to handle. I think. Um, All right, next question I've got for you. You're on the fantasy side of things, so this is kind of a, a related or kind of a two part question. What rookie do you think will have the most impact this year for for Real football and fantasy. Do you, do you, is that the same person, or do you think they're, are we talking about two different players here?
0: Uh, so I think it's probably two different players. I think CJ Stroud is going to elevate the Houston Texans to a point where they're not going to be good, they're not going to be a threat, but they're not going to be a team that you're excited to face early in the season. It's going to be rough because they just lost their left guard Kenyon Green for the entire season, they just lost their center rookie Juice Scruggs out of Penn State, lost him for at least four games and the right tackle hasn't been practicing. But as that offensive line gets healthy, it's going to be a pretty dominant offensive line. They've invested in protecting CJ Stroud. The wide receivers are good enough. Tank Dell gets open at will. And when he has the protection that the Houston Texans offensive line will give him, CJ Stroud is going to make a difference on the field. But for fantasy football, it's not going to matter that much because there's a bunch of quarterbacks that have way better weapons than him. And, There's some quarterbacks that don't have better weapons, but are more mobile than he is as well. CJ Stroud, his mobility is underrated, but he's not rushing for six, 700 yards in a season. And that is what you need to be a true difference maker at quarterback. For fantasy though, I think it's two guys. I think it's Zay Flowers for the Baltimore Ravens. Could very well see him as the offensive rookie of the year. Baltimore has... Made it clear that they are going to open up the offense. It is going to be less of three tight ends and a fullback and a running back and more three wide receivers spreading the ball out, spreading the ball around Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman. They are all going to get theirs. But Zay Flowers, I think, is being slept on at this point. He should be going ahead of Quentin Johnston. Probably should be going ahead of Jordan Addison and Jackson Smith and Jigba as well in redraft. In Dynasty, I'm still got him behind JSN. Got him behind Jordan Addison, but still had a Quentin Johnston. And then at tight end, usually tight end doesn't make a huge difference. And people would assume, okay, well, you're gonna say Dalton Kincaid because he was drafted round one. No, because Dalton Kincaid is not a starter yet. Dawson Knox is still there yeah. with the Buffalo Bills. He is going to be the every down starter, and Dawson Knox or and Dalton Kincaid is going to come in for certain packages. Whereas in Green Bay, the Packers drafted Luke Musgrave to be their tight end of the future. He earned a starting job from day one. They drafted him ahead of Jaden Reed, and Jaden Reed is going to be the wide receiver too for the Packers sooner than later. He's going to replace Romeo Dobbs, but Luke Musgrave was drafted before him. In the preseason, we saw him just gobbling up targets, had more targets than even Christian Watson, and so if a rookie tight end is going to have a difference-making season, it's going to be Luke Musgrave who was going Pretty much
1: free in redraft right now. I love it. I, this could be the year of like sneaky good rookie fantasy tight ends. You got Musgrave. You got. Yeah, I know you said Dalton Kincaid's not the number one guy, but I can maybe see him eventually as the season goes on being more of a contributor. Uh, yep. And you got. And you got. I, I think I'm saying is right. Is it Laporta? Laporta uh, for for um Sam Laporta for the Detroit Laporte? Lions. Yeah. yeah,
0: he's a day one starter. And Michael Mayer for the Las Vegas Raiders. He's not yeah. a starter yet but it's going to be a matter of time before he passes Austin Hooper. It might have already happened. We just don't know it officially. So there's four guys that are going to be starting tight ends as rookies.
1: Wow. Okay. I love it. I think I I took, I think I took Laporta at one of my drafts a late, you know, I, I waited till like round 13 to get a tight end and I took a flyer in him. So hopefully that pays off. That's a really good segue because I now want to switch gears and talk about your Detroit lions. You know, you, you, you're covering them for believe, you, you're you're in the thick of it as far as coverage go um you know i i i thought it was they were so much fun to watch and root for as the season went on last year it was great to see them pull out that win over green bay even though they didn't need it for any kind of playoff rank anything like that that was just a game culturally they clearly needed it as far as just building blocks for the future um and it looks like the future is bright coming into the 2023 season so from your perspective, is this hype legit? Do you, are you a believer? Are you do you think that they are? I, I don't think people are necessarily saying they're a Super Bowl team, but I think playoffs is a very division winning and playoff teams seems like a very realistic expectation. Where are you on that kind of that 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 sort of hype?
0: That is absolutely the expectation. The Minnesota Vikings have taken a step back. The Green Bay Packers have taken a step back. The Bears have taken a small step forward, but the Bears in twenty twenty three. Are a lot closer to the 2022 Lions, where they're yeah. not quite there, ready to take that step. The Lions have gone from losing big in the early days of Dan Campbell and pretty much for the entire Matt Patricia era to losing small. Towards the end of their first season, we started to see them get closer in games. And at the beginning of last season, they started slow. They were losing a lot, but they were all these close games. And then towards the end of the season, we saw started to see the Lions winning small at first and then there were games where they were starting to win big over the Jacksonville Jaguars so with the Lions I think they are ready to take that next step the offensive line is arguably the best in the NFL it could be better than the Philadelphia Eagles even the pass catchers Jamison Williams being out is a problem but Amon Ross St. Brown is just so damn good that he's going to carry this passing game and they've got a rotation around him they've got Marvin Jones back who's going to make plays on third down and in the red zone he's just going to be reliable Josh Reynolds is able to make some plays as well Khalif Raymond is going to be the speed to replace Jamison Williams and while this is all not household names this isn't names that are going to strike fear into the hearts of anyone they're good enough and with the protection that Jared Goff is going to have he is going to be able to hit them in stride and the ball will continue to trickle downfield and then on the defense which has been the problem for years they've invested heavily in the secondary which has been a big problem it's a completely new secondary century essentially they've invested in the linebacker position we all complained when they drafted jack campbell in the first round because drafting a linebacker in the first round isn't the best way to build a team but they still got an elite football player jameer gibbs Obviously people don't like running backs going that early because they're not super valuable, but he is an elite pass catcher as well. So the lions have just done so many different things where even if they weren't the correct decision entirely, it's still made the team better.
1: Yeah, there you go. There's a lot of optimism, a lot of hope to go around. Uh, Yeah. And I want to say, what was the statistic? It's uh, they haven't, won a playoff game since what the 50s or something like that and so maybe i think this easily should be the year you know to, first,
0: first playoff win since 1991 they defeated the dallas cowboys and then yes. lost their second game and they haven't made the playoffs in guy. I, I don't remember when they last made the playoffs but it was a while ago they made it during like- the
1: stafford era once or twice they played my Seahawks the last time. I want to say that was like yeah. 17 or 2018, but they lost like first. It was my, it was Caldwell's last year. I think might've been his last year, but second last year. Cause they missed the playoffs in his, uh, his last year to get fired. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to switch gears, talk a little bit fantasy side of things. Um, you know, you, you and I both, we both had our days back, uh, writing about fantasy dynasty and otherwise, um, both still active on the fantasy side of things. I had my draft two drafts last week, but uh, and I actually had the number one and the number two pick in both drafts. So I'm curious, uh, who would you take if you had the number one pick in your fantasy draft? Assuming we're talking about standard scoring, or um, you know, kind of more of that like middle of the road scoring system. Obviously, changing the scoring system would would make your pick different. But if you were in, let's say, just a, a ten to twelve team PPR league, who are you going with?
0: I personally am taking Jamar Chase over Justin Jefferson. I think Jamar Chase has the potential for a 2000 yard season. He was better than Justin Jefferson in college, as a younger player, Jamar Chase had a better rookie year than Justin Jefferson. And even though his season was shortened, so the statistics don't match Justin Jefferson's Jamar Chase was more efficient as a year two player than Justin Jefferson. So I think as a year three player, this is the year that Jamar Chase completely breaks out. But that being said, that's a bold-ish take. Probably 70 80% of people are going with Justin Jefferson with the number one. Probably 70% Jefferson, 20% going Jamar Chase, and another 10% were going Travis Kelsey before this injury. So I think... You can't go wrong with Justin Jefferson. That is the consensus. He might be the best non-Patrick Mahomes player in the NFL, but so could
1: Jamar Chase. Ooh, okay. So I had the number one pick in my my rugby league. We have a league together with our team, and I took uh, Justin Jefferson number one. Nice. I had my old college league, though, I had the number two pick, and I took Jamar Chase. So I nice kind of and- both worlds. Have you, has there ever been a year in fantasy that you can recall where there's just no, like, there's no obvious running back that you have to take it? Like, it just seems like every year, even if there's like not, even if there's not a Ladanian Tomlinson type running back, there's still a guy you're like, okay, he's RB one. He's number one pick this year. It, I don't, I think there was not an RB taken in both of my drafts to like six or seven, maybe it's yeah. weird to me.
0: It's very weird, but it's just the changing of the NFL, the way yes. that the running back position has changed. Whereas Christian McCaffrey, if you knew he was going to play every single game, you number might be inclined to take him number one. But even then there's arguments against it. Cause the 49ers when Elijah Mitchell was healthy, they didn't use yep. him as much. Austin Eckler, he's getting older as well. So it's just so much easier to take the stud wide receivers that we have in the NFL right now, but you're right. For years, it's always been so obvious. It's been a Ladanian Tomlinson. It's been a Todd Gurley. It's been a Christian McCaffrey. It's been a Le'Veon Bell. And then there was the time where, oh, is it Le'Veon Bell or is it David Johnson? There were times where, oh, is it Adrian Peterson or is it Chris Johnson? But there was always a running back, if not too.
1: Sure. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. Now, you know, I, I think uh, you two years ago, you might've said, oh, Jonathan Taylor's a lot for that guy two years later may not even be on the same team Poor season last year. It's just the position is just kind of going back to our conversation earlier. It's just a lot yeah. of things, you know, value wise, uh, like you mentioned. Um, now there's a lot of ways you could take this next question, but who do you think is, who do you think is the most likely to be a bust in fantasy? And what I mean by that is like, yeah, I mean, if you take a guy in the 15th round and he doesn't do any good for you, whatever, that's not really a bust. But if you take someone, let's say, I don't know, in the first round, and they're a bust for you. That's what I mean. Like a team, a guy that you take high and could end up being like, could cost you your league. Who do you think is the most likely to be that overly drafted bust player?
0: Bust is, feels a little bit harsh because I still do like both of these players. But at running back, I think I got to go with Bijan Robinson simply because he's RB3 right now. We haven't seen him play before, and he's RB3. And I get it. We do that often. Saquon Barkley was a top-five running back, if my memory serves me correctly, when he was a rookie. Jonathan Taylor was getting drafted fairly high, but I don't even think he was a first-round pick. And every year, we see the top running backs produce. And I think Bijan is going to produce. I just don't know if he's going to get to that RB3 price tag. More likely, he's the RB678. RB 10 potentially. So I do think he is an RB one. I just don't get drafting him with all of those wide receivers that are available when you could draft Bijan Robinson and drafting him ahead of guys like Saquon Barkley, who we've seen do it year after year after year and has receiving upside Bijan Robinson, the talent has receiving upside, but how much upside is he going to have as a receiver in the Desmond Ritter offense? What happens when Tyler Algier gets the goal line work in one particular game? That'll be a game where Bijan Robinson has a bunch of touches, but only nine fantasy points because they're not throwing the ball. They're not checking the ball down to running backs. And if he gets vultured at the goal line, it's gonna hurt him.
1: Yeah, Bijan, that's a that's an interesting pick. And and I hate to I, I don't know if I should admit this on the podcast live here, but when I when I was drafting the other day at the second pick. I really thought about taking Bijan just because I want to have him on my team. That was the most ira- – I, 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 everything you say is true. I know that he's in the backfield with Cordero Patterson and Algier, and he's got, to, he's got to fight for catches with you know Drake London and Pitts and Hollins and all these guys, but I just really wanted him on my team. I just wanted to root for the Atlanta Falcons for some reason, but I didn't do it. I, I didn't do it. My senses came to me, but I, I, I think that's a really smart pick. Uh, dynasty
0: league, keeper league. I yeah, understand it, 100%. but and redraft, the RB three price tag is just a little bit rich when Nick Chubb is going at RB four.
1: Yeah, that's, that's pretty steep. Um, Now I want to get kind of into a little bit of prediction here. Um, Who do you like for MVP at this early in the game? My, my pick is I'm going with Justin Herbert. I think putting him in the Kellen offense, we're going to soup that offense up a little more. We're going to get more uh, Justin Herbert cooking his average depth of target was like abysmally low last year. I feel like we're going to crank that up and just see fire all over the field. So I like Justin Herbert. What about you?
0: No complaints about Justin Herbert. He's going to have a phenomenal season. Keenan Allen playing the CD lamb role. I can't wait to see that because Keenan Allen at the end of the season, he was wide receiver three behind only Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase. After he got healthy from that hamstring strain, there's still plenty left in the tank, but I think MVP is going to go to the guy that I just mentioned. Not Jamar Chase, but his quarterback, Joe Burrow. I've been on the Joe Burrow bandwagon for years now. At some point, he's going to win an MVP. I'm just going to keep picking Joe Burrow to win that MVP until he does. And then unfortunately, he's probably not going to win another one for quite some time. Because even, let's, let's say Joe Burrow has an MVP type season. And then the next year, he has an MVP type season. They could give it to Jamar Chase instead.
1: Oh, interesting! Wow, the
0: NFL doesn't like to do back-to-back MVPs, you know?
1: Right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, to see it, I would love to see a, a non-quarterback win the MVP. Uh, I so you you kind of you know dropping that that little nugget there of Jamar Chase would be would be fascinating. Um, two teams that were both wildly impacted by the same trade. You had the Packers trading uh, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Who is more likely to make the playoffs this year? Do you think it's the Jets or the Packers? And then conversely, more likely to regret the Aaron Rodgers trade? Jets or Packers?
0: I don't think anyone's going to end up regretting the Aaron Rodgers trade because the Packers were just done with Aaron Rodgers at that point. They'd kicked the salary cap can too far down the road. And there were some personal things that went into this as well. Just the personality of Aaron Rodgers. So I don't think they're going to regret it, but I think the Packers are going to miss the playoffs this year. I think they're going to be okay in the long run. They've done some good things to surround Jordan Love with some talent. It's just going to take some time for... Luke Musgrave and Jaden Reed and Christian Watson to really fully elevate Romeo Dobbs. I don't see that happening for him, but I think the Packers are going to miss the playoffs. I do think the jets have a good chance at making the playoffs and it's because the whole roster is dominant. The offensive line is a bit of a question mark, but they've also answered some of those questions by making Makai Becton the right tackle. That should be a good move because they drafted him in the first round and he's just, a complete load and looked great in the preseason. So I'm glad he's finally healthy, but that was one of the big questions. And then at receiver, Garrett Wilson is great. Alan Lazard is his safety blanket. Randall Cobb, another safety blanket there as well. The tight ends are good. Brees Hall, arguably the best running back in the NFL if he can return to pre-ACL form. And then they brought in Dalvin Cook just in case he can't return to pre-ACL form. So this is a deep team on offense. And on defense, they're third string edge rushers are starting on probably 20 teams across the NFL. This D line is deep. The secondary is dominant. So the jets are just a good team from top to bottom.
1: Ooh, I like that. I like it. Getting the hard knocks bump, getting the Aaron Rodgers bump. Um, We have some new quarterbacks in terms of just experience. You know, we got Bryce young, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, they're rookies. You've got Sam Howell. You got Desmond Ritter. Uh, who are coming in as second-year quarterbacks but really have very little experience under their belts uh, last year. Um, do Who do you who, who do you think is the most likely to make their second contract? Um, at this point, the turnover for quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, getting to that second contract, especially first-rounders, is probably a little more, um, I don't know if it's 50-50 exactly with the exact numbers off the top of my head, but just not a lot of guys making those second contracts like you would think. So who do you think is the most likely from that kind of new crop of quarterbacks. I guess we could even throw Kenny Pickett in that list too. But like you said earlier, he's a, he's a dog. That guy is, that guy can play. We know that. Kenny Pickett's getting a second contract from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's
0: going to be there for 10 plus years. CJ Stroud, I think is going to be with the car Car not the Carolina Panthers, with the Houston Texans for 10 plus years. He is just a quality quarterback, He is just a guy that makes correct decisions. He is accurate with the football. He has the frame for it. Bryce Young, I hate to knock the guy because of his size, but Bryce Young just never really got me that excited as a smaller quarterback without the physical tools that Kyler Murray has. But I do think there's a good chance that he ends up with a second contract with the Carolina Panthers. They've gone all in for him. So he'd have to be really bad for them not to sign him to a second contract. Similar to Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has had struggles throughout his career. I think Bryce young probably has a little bit better start to his career before, uh, Daniel Jones does before that second contract. So I think it'll be fine. I think he signs a second contract. Richardson is obviously a massive risk to sign a contract with the Indianapolis Colts, but I think it was the correct risk to take. I love Anthony Richardson, what he can do physically on the field, what he can do in the gym at the NFL Combine. He is the most athletic quarterback in NFL history, and that's someone you want to invest in. And everything we've read, everything we've seen, it seems like Anthony Richardson really is that dude. So I think all three of these quarterbacks drafted in the first round are going to get second contracts with their team. I think Desmond Ritter is going to be moved on from by the Atlanta Falcons. Maybe they keep him with the team as a backup for the future, but he's going to lose a starting job and Sam Howell could go either way. I think Sam Howell is at the very least going to be their starting quarterback in 2024. And that will determine the second contract.
1: Nice. Okay. All right. You're, you're, you're pretty optimistic. I love, I love to hear it. Um, I asked you about your MVP pick. I want to know your Super Bowl pick. Right now, I like the Bills versus the Cowboys. I like the Bills to win it, though. I like a little rematch. Uh, Maybe the Bills can kind of exercise some of those those demons from the uh, four consecutive Super Bowls that they did not win in the 90s. So what about you? What's your Super Bowl pick?
0: My Super Bowl pick, I will have the Cincinnati Bengals once again going to the Super Bowl winning the Super Bowl with their MVP quarterback, Joe Burrow, and I have them beat it. the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas oh, Cowboys, oh, I think, are just so underrated because they're the Dallas Cowboys, because yeah. they lost Kellen Moore, which is a bad thing at face value, though. It actually kind of sounds like Mike McCarthy learned from his time in Green Bay. And instead of having Kellen Moore, who was a phenomenal offensive coordinator, but wanted Dak to play more within the structure that Kellen Moore wanted, and Dak had some other ideas, whereas with Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert can play in whatever structure you want him to play in. He's going to do a good job of it, and it's going to be better than Joe Lombardi. So I think that is an upgrade. But the freedom that Mike McCarthy might be giving Dak Prescott could be what makes all of the difference here. He was calling the plays during the preseason to get a feel for what it's like to be the play caller. And McCarthy has been very clear that, hey, when we get to the line of scrimmage, it is completely in Dak's hands. He can check to whatever play he wants. He is going to be running the offense more than Mike McCarthy, more than Brian Schottenheimer, whoever else they have. So I'm excited about the Dallas Cowboys, a dominant offensive line. Elite pass catching group with CD Lamb. He's a true alpha at wide receiver. Brandon Cooks might be one of the most underrated additions of the entire offseason. And then the defense we've seen for the past couple of years with Dan Quinn, just how good this Dallas Cowboys defense can be, has been. So I think the Dallas Cowboys are just it's finally gonna happen. They're finally gonna make the Super Bowl. And then
1: lose because they are the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> there you go. You you got the Cowboys fans so hyped up just to bring them crashing back down. I love it. I I love it. I'm going with the Bills. So I guess I I my my cowboy love is only going so far as well. So uh, at least we're 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 on the same page at least on on half of the Super Bowl. Uh, I, you know, both games. If 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 that were to happen, either Bills versus Cowboys or or Bengals versus Cowboys, we're going to be in for a great game. So. Uh, would would love that. Um, we've only got a, just a couple more questions before I let you go, Jack, but I'm curious. Um, I'll give you the floor. What is your hottest take going into the 2023 season? It can be about a single player, a team, the league itself, whatever way you want to go. What's, what's a flaming, just flamethrower take you want to throw out into the ether of the internet before we uh, kick the season off?
0: Well, we've actually kind of glanced over this one a couple times. I've talked about Desmond Ritter, how he is probably going to get benched at some point. He's not going to sign a second contract with the Atlanta Falcons. And so my hot take is that the Atlanta Falcons do make the NFL playoffs, but not with Desmond Ritter as their quarterback with Taylor Heineke leading the way for the Atlanta Falcons. Desmond Ritter gets benched during the season. Taylor Heineke comes in and is able to galvanize the troops because he is that kind of locker room guy, the goofy, awkward, fun-loving guy, much like Kirk Cousins that people want to play for. And so I think the Falcons, in a bad NFC South, win the division, make the playoffs thanks to Taylor Heineke.
1: Ooh. All right. I love it. Yeah. We've been kind of dancing around that, but I think that's a, that's a very spicy take. I love it. Um, What are you, what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to these days? Anything non-football that you're excited about? Uh, I just read a
0: book called this tender land. I recommend that it was a very enjoyable read. It's uh, a fiction piece, but uh historical fiction. So quite enjoyed that. Uh, I have another book. I can't remember the name of it that my mom recommended to me because parents always have great recommendations when it comes to books listen to your parents if you uh, want something to read uh other than that though not a whole lot it's just been a lot of football preparation getting ready for the season and just enjoying the last remnants of summer it's been less reading less watching and more biking and sitting just in the sun
1: sure there you go well that's a that's a good reminder that we all should probably get out and enjoy the outside a little more uh Reading and, and those things are good, but outdoors are good too. Um, I also want to give you a chance to plug anything. Where can where can folks find your wonderful content, whether it's Believe or, or Player Profile or anything like that, anything you want to plug?
0: Uh, you can catch me everywhere at Javanaut 87 You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram, wherever. Check out Player Profiler today over on the Player Profiler YouTube channel. That premieres on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, three days a week where I'm breaking down All the news across the NFL that's going on, including the devastating Travis Kelsey knee injury. We're going to be talking about that tonight at 7 p.m. over on the Player Profiler YouTube channel. And you can also find me on the Believe YouTube channel and the Believe in Lions podcast. That is going to be dropping. Dropped on Monday to preview this game early. Usually our previews are going to come out Thursday or Friday, and then we're going to have a recap the day after the game plays. So obviously this recap will be on Friday. Usually it'll be a Monday morning recap though.
1: Excellent. Excellent. So uh, that's going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you again so much for Mr. Jack Cavanaugh, Mr. Five-Timer. Jack Jack Cavanaugh. Yeah. Made the Five-Timer Club. I'll make sure to throw some links in the show notes where folks can find all of your wonderful fantasy content. This makes episode 86 of Knowledge Brew Supreme. I'm only 14 away from my goal of reaching 100 episodes. Uh, And thank you again for listening. Please share, subscribe, review all that good stuff. Go subscribe to Jack's podcast, his YouTube channel, all that fun stuff too. Be good, be safe and peace out.